Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Each week, we hear real-time stories from athletes and CEOs on how to maximize performance through an endurance mindset. Let's get started. Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. I am super excited about our guest today. He is a personal friend. He has overcome tremendous obstacles and emerged stronger than ever. Throughout his life, he's faced injuries, has forced him to take a step back from fitness and wellness. He's created unwavering dedication to transforming the way people perceive and engage in jump rope workouts. The founder and CEO of Crossroad Cross Rope LLC. Please welcome Dave Hunt. Welcome, Dave. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Greg. I'm I'm super excited. Uh, appreciate the whole chief endurance officer mindset, and uh, was extra excited to share experiences of mine that are certainly uh, relevant to that sort of mindset. So, uh, pleasure to be on today. Awesome, man. Well, let's jump right into it. So, as you said, we. We talk about the endurance mindset on this podcast. And my favorite question to ask is, David, tell me about how your endurance mindset has impacted your life unexpectedly. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think it really revolves around the first four years with Crossrope specifically, because as anyone who's uh, started a business knows, there's like the myth of the, uh, the overnight success. And oftentimes it's kind of the multi-year overnight success. And it was 2011 when I started working on Crossrope sort of as a, as a side hustle and 2012 when I launched it. And that coincided with when I had to make uh, a decision around whether or not I was going to stay uh, active within my Navy career or kind of take the leap, so to speak, into pursuing the Crossrope opportunity full time. And so I still owed uh, a year. I was obligated to another year and I enjoyed my career. I wasn't, uh, you know, I was grateful for the opportunities that it manifested, uh, worked with a lot of wonderful people. And yet there was just this sense of, will I regret not pursuing uh, what I've started with, with Crossrope? So the endurance piece of it came in because I thought that one year would be enough of a head start to kind of get things uh, in order to grow the business enough. We all think that that hockey shape, you know, growth is is going to happen, especially with something where I was selling online. So it was the the dream of a couple of people find out about it and then it'll just take off and go viral and everything will be good and it'll be easier from there. And what ended up happening is I had to um, extend my time in the Navy because the the period of time with which Crossrope was not at all a viable business and was not probably even an investable business because I bootstrapped it and I don't think it was investable, really was a lot longer than what I had anticipated. And that culminated in uh, 2016. So now I had been at it for nearly four years. I launched in mid-2012 where... Um, in Q1 of that year, I learned that there had been an accounting error on my books in 2015. So I thought there was a small net profit and instead I had posted a net loss, not having paid myself anything. And quarter on quarter or year on year revenues for Q1 were down. 
And I was, I was staring getting out. At this point, I didn't have a choice to stay in longer. I was staring getting out of the Navy in, in mid-2016. And I had a business coach at the time who was so impactful and such a good cheerleader and so encouraging. And I'll never forget the call. He said, you've learned a lot. You've done a great job, but this just might not be the thing that's mm-hmm. going to work out for you. You got a family, you got kids, you got bills to pay. Um, you made a good effort, but maybe it's not in the cards. And boy, did that fire me up. Uh, and, and you know what? He was right. And I appreciated it. Um, but it really, you know, the, the first four years was just a slog. And there were many of those moments along the way where the things that I expected to make that needle moving difference and impact just didn't. And um it just really took that endurance mindset to say, hey, if there is anything, if there is anything that gives me a shred of realistic, you know, optimism and hope to continue just putting one foot in front of front of the other, um, I'll latch on to that as best I can. And um, in 2016, fortunately, things did start to catch on. And uh, it really was. Um, Maybe better lucky than good, but it was all that I needed to to have uh, that 2016 catalyst and and turn what I hoped would be a lifelong dream into something that really has been such a wonderful experience. So, David, looking back at those four years while doing double duty or your side hustle, and then all of a sudden, like the insurance blanket is gone, and it's you know us as entrepreneurs get to deal with that emotional roller coaster. But as you look back. Are there certain things like after you left the Navy that you did more intently that was kind of, you know, half-hearted beforehand? Well, I think that, you know, there is something to be said around, you know, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention, I suppose. Somebody wise said that at some point in time. And so, you know, there was a lot of excitement around the prospect that the business was trending in a direction where, you know, my target upon getting out was doing something full-time where I had the, you know, the freedom to be my own boss, as many entrepreneurs, you know, say that they want. And where I felt that I was really pursuing a vision around a product and fitness in general, which is something that had been a personal passion of mine. And so I think the confluence of those factors, like this idea that this could actually become my full-time job, especially after four years of getting the question, oh, is that your full-time job? And I hated that question, but it wasn't my full-time job. So it was like that warranted question. And there was, uh, I think there was this extra motivation around sort of validating the idea and proving that it could be my full-time job that just got me laser focused on a lot of the initiatives in, you know, for that, for that year, when I made the transition from this as a moonlight venture to a full-time thing um, that really helped to kind of solidify where the focus should be and where, you know, my highest and best use was going to be in ultimately driving the business forward. So you talked about how it, it took a lot longer than expected. And it sounds as if that has repeated itself a handful of times. Talk to us about how you handle that, like in your goal setting now with your business goals and your personal goals. How do you set those expect that time bound expectation? Well, 
That's a question that I reflect on quite a bit. And I think it's a really tough question for a lot of people. You know, one of this probably makes sense to a point because I also have a Navy background, but I'm a big fan of the Stockdale paradox, which you might've heard of before. Maybe some of the listeners have, but it discusses the experience that Admiral Stockdale had while he was a prisoner of war in Vietnam. And when he got out after, I believe it was seven years, people asked, um, you know, how he remained optimistic throughout the, the times of torture and this protracted period of time where there wasn't any certainty that he and the others ever would get out of the POW camps. And what he responded was that uh, he didn't necessarily maintain optimism. The optimists were the ones that died because they did time bound their expectation. And if you think, oh, we're going to get out in a month, oh, we're going to get out in six months or a year or two years, and then it doesn't happen, it's very easy to lose the faith. And so, and, and this was a Jim Collins thing as well. Jim Collins talked about it a lot in Good to Great in some of the, the other books. And it, it resonates so strong with, with me, both during those early years of the business and through the various ebbs and flows since then, where I do my very best to evaluate what mine and the business's brutal facts of reality are. You know, and COVID had wide ranging impacts on a lot of businesses in various ways. Um, there are always market forces and dynamics in play. And I view that it is my job as the chief executive officer and the chief endurance officer to set the right mindset on the team around the expectations. And so it's collecting the data, collecting the facts as best I possibly can, and then doing the best to understand for my team and I what is within our, our locus of control and how we best spend our times on the things that we think are going to have some level of efficacy, some level of positive impact, still carving out some time for uh, taking some swings, uh, being patient for the inevitable times when you may actually be the beneficiary of good luck because you make your luck and sometimes you don't make your luck. And I think it's all of those factors throughout the, the highs and lows where I actually, I haven't necessarily set these really, really stringent timeframes. I've more so asked the question, is there genuine reason for belief in what the future may hold based on the reality of the brutal facts? And do I feel good about what myself and the team are executing on to give us the best chance for the highest level of success moving forward? I love it. I love that approach. Um, talk to us about when that, that approach when you discovered it, right? Because it's not something that you read in a book and it's not something that you're sort of born with or you or you go to school for. Talk to us about how you you developed that mindset approach for your team. Like when did it come to you that this is a, a good way forward? Well, most most recently, and I think most relevantly, you know, going back to COVID, it's so interesting, right? You know, it was a really... I almost hate to use the word unprecedented because that's what we heard on the news every day for about two years, but it really did change the way that the economy worked. And so you had this whole swath of businesses that were immediately and drastically adversely impacted, but then you also had this whole realm of businesses that weren't necessarily talked about that, that blew up and grew overnight. Mm. And it was almost this taboo thing where, 
it was difficult to talk about because amidst all of the challenges of COVID, it was not necessarily constructive for all the businesses that were somehow positively impacted. And, and we tried to do it in you know a responsible way where we were ultimately creating value in the form of home fitness for for all these people that all of a sudden needed some you know home based activity. But when when that occurred and we grew so quickly, it was very very difficult to evaluate the downturn, you know, the, the, the downstream impact and ramifications of what that was from a business structure perspective, from demand being pulled forward, from how that would impact all the markets. So there was a, a rush of uh, new fitness brands and equipment and content that came out. There was a rush of advertisers online, which all of a sudden made advertising a lot more expensive. There was supply chain issues, all of these various things. And so as soon as 2021, it was clear that we just didn't know where things were going to settle. You know, we didn't know what the quote unquote new normal was going to be. And there was all sorts of various frameworks and models that were being used, all sorts of speculation. And it was really in 2021 where that mentality that I just shared about trying to evaluate the data as possible, getting as many data points, uh, not losing sight of the fact that the objective value that we were trying to deliver through our products, through our content, through the experiences, through the results we were driving for our customers, that was still foundational to what we were trying to achieve. And we really had to detach the efforts that we were making to objectively improve across so many facets of our business, even though that wasn't playing out in the numbers in the way that we had hoped or expected. And we even, again, I can't, remember where I heard this, but it's one of my favorite things to say now is this idea that uh, happiness equals reality minus expectations. And, uh, you know, and so once we adopted this mindset that it's just very difficult to be, to feel good about the results that you're producing, if you don't properly scope out expectations, but it's very, very difficult for leadership teams and for leaders to predict the future. Sometimes I almost think we're given too much credit, taken for granted, like, well, this is what we think is gonna happen, but you know, you and I can't see the future better than others can. We can just do the best we can to evaluate uh, the right frameworks. And so I think that brutal facts of reality with level setting expectations in a way that still keeps us ambitious and hungry and focused on the value and the quality that we're building while detaching it and just knowing that there's a wide range of outcomes that can come in the interim, uh, 2021, so over the past you know two years, that's been really instrumental to keeping the core of our team together, to continuing to build and innovate, and to get excited for that next phase uh, of growth as we think it's going to happen in the next couple of years. So digging deeper into that mindset and your team, is that something you interview for? You know, it's not, not every person will feel comfortable in that situation. And you tend not to know that until six months, a year after they've been working with you. Do you have in your recruiting process questions around mindset and um, like those types of situations or those type of work in, environments? Yes, absolutely. Now, you know, one interesting dynamic is because there was some post COVID contraction within the industry and the business, we haven't hired as much the past couple of years. Uh, for those that we have hired, though, we've been abundantly transparent in 
essentially the same framework that I just provided, right? You don't want to bring, to enroll somebody into what still feels like it is a really early stage uh, of a great opportunity with a team that is culturally aligned around what we're trying to achieve without sharing with them some of the challenges and the headwinds over the past couple of years. So for, for new team members, yes, absolutely. We've been transparent, but even more so it's with the existing team members trying, you know, looking for the right opportunities and the right messaging to share a little bit of the, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's almost paradoxical, right? You know, so if you equate it to, I've, I've started to think more of like for a team member, that is evaluating their opportunity within an organization. It's similar to somebody choosing stocks within a portfolio, right? So if you if you if you if you buy a high flyer, uh, you know past performance is not an indication of future performance. It may be, but you know we all know those disclosures, those financial disclosures that are out there. And um, conversely, the direction or trajectory of a business may not at all be indicative of what the long-term opportunity is. And that's the verbiage that, that we've taken on within the business, uh, transparently with everyone saying, look, we are doing a lot of great things and executing as a very high level as a unified and aligned team. Um, which is why we've retained so much of our team and why we feel that, culture is strong, our, e, our ENPS, which we measure is really high. All of these fundamental foundations of a strong and high performing team are there. And it's done because we haven't been afraid to share how we're evaluating what the opportunity is without promise of what it is. And that, that's where I think people get in trouble sometimes. If you try to retain your team with the constant promise of, well, next quarter will be better. Next year will be better. Next month will be better. Just hang on, hang on, hang on. And you, there's just no way of knowing that, but there is a great chance that you'll lose the trust uh, and the credibility that you have if you try to convey that you know with a high level of uncertainty or with a high level of cer certainty exactly what the future holds. And so I think that level of um, transparency and discussion has actually fired up and align the team even more because it doesn't seem to be the common thing. It's it's like, I've seen so many stories recently where it's like, everything's great. Everything's great. Everything's awesome. And I remember being on the sidelines, like either they are lying or, you know, like at, at a corporate level, either they are lying or they know something that we don't know because we're not seeing the same things and we're in the same industry. And then they were lying. Because everything was great, and then they lay off 35% of their team, right? Everything was great, and then they lay off 20% of their team. They were trying to hold the line for the turnaround, saying everything was great. And then where does that leave everyone, right? Now you've got a whole bunch of uh, individuals that just feel like they were misled and mistreated and um, as best as possible. I, I don't cast judgment when that happens. I know every business and every leader is trying to do the best that they can, but we've felt... Um, strong about our approach to share um, the frameworks that we're using to evaluate the current situation and what the opportunity is. And, and again, like I said, we're feeling things are feel like they're taking a turn and we're, we're excited about where things are going in, um, you know, the next couple of years. That transparency is so critical because um, you do get that shock effect when you're reading the news and everything's great. And next thing you know, they let off, let, laid off half their workforce and you're like, they had to know that's coming. Yeah. Um, 
David, I want to shift gears slightly. You mentioned earlier a passion for fitness. Talk to us about your passion for fitness. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, boy, I mean, it's one of these, I always like to start kind of like the, the, one of the first stories that I can remember where I was uh, in fourth grade in elementary school. And I remember I was standing in the back of the bus trying to, uh, you know, reach my hand up to the top of the bus. And it was maybe about a foot between my hands and the uh, ceiling. And I said, oh, wow. I, I, I said to my friend, I said, well, I, I bet I have at least a one foot vertical. Let's see if I can touch it. And so I jumped up and I was able to touch it. And then I went home and on my parents' walls, I started marking up like how high could I reach and how high was the ceiling. And I just became really, um, I don't know, there was something about this idea of, of jumping that was just, it was like this explosive, powerful, athletic movement. It was freeing. It was exciting. On my fifth grade basketball team, all I cared about was trying to block the tallest kid on the team. Uh, that led me to playing basketball. And in high school, I set my um, freshman high school record in high jump and then ended up going on to uh, do high jump and long jump in high school. And in college, I played volleyball. So it was all about jumping sports. And when I was uh, in college at, at Navy, I remember that there was one spring break where the team was uh, training through spring break and I decided to go uh, on a trip with friends. And I hadn't viewed it as something that wasn't putting the team priority first because I was one of the people on the team, probably to my detriment, that trained too much. I did two a days on my own. Sometimes I trained so much I got injured. I needed a break. But out of the, the sense that I was somehow betraying the team, I said, well, I'm going to train on my spring break vacation. I'm going to bring a jump rope. And the jump rope was the first thing that came to mind is that like this great, you know, full-fledged fitness tool um, and I actually did use it when I was there and I came back and I set my personal record in long jump, like two weeks back from spring break. And that was one of the first examples where I realized that I was always about strength and speed as my preferred forms of fitness and never about cardiovascular training. I really just did not like all of the traditional forms of cardio, but jump rope somehow filled that gap for me. It was fun. It was engaging. It was dynamic. It was portable. I could learn new skills. I could come up with these little challenges that made the workouts feel like they were fun. And that was ultimately um, early on one of the core elements of my personal fitness routine based on this notion that I really didn't like most forms of cardiovascular training. And I knew many people didn't, but I love jumping rope. And so the opportunity to kind of come up with a better mousetrap in jump rope equipment and training and fitness with my own personal experience, I think kind of is the entrepreneurial dream, right? It's like you're building the product that you love. And, and that was the joke for me at the outset. I said, hey, if cross rope never works out, worst case scenario, I have the perfect jump rope training tool for the rest of my fitness routines and, and for the rest of my years. And uh, I'm just glad that other people like it as well. I, I love the story. So let's get into that. That was going to be my next question. Um, clearly, you loved jump rope. It's a big tool in your arsenal for your fitness. When, the light, when did the light bulb go on that say, hey, I can make this better and talk to us through that process? Yeah. And then B, when, when did it, you talked about when you started and when you actually dedicated full time, but 
talk to us about the conceptual building the business from idea to sort of 2016 walk us through that when how'd you come up with the idea what was the next step and sure. so on and so on well you know so it was in 2000 you know 2008 2009 um i was in my first operational squadron out of uh, washington state and there you know were periods where i was based in the states period periods where i was based overseas and my roommate and I had gotten more and more into uh, various types of jump ropes because up until till that point, it, you know, my thought and experience was a jump rope is a jump rope is a jump rope. Like it's a rope with handles, you jump. And there, I think that was still within the time frame. Like obviously internet had been around for a while, but I think those years was internet commerce started to be more of a thing, discovering products that were out there. So you know, before that, it was kind of like you were restricted to whatever was in the gym. And then in that time frame, you could start looking up best jump rope and you could start, you know, YouTube was kind of just getting started and you could look on YouTube to find what you could find. And so my roommate and I kind of built up, started to build up like a jump rope collection from various companies and brands and started to have an understanding of the difference between different types of jump ropes. Some were, some were faster, uh, some were PVC, some were cable based, some had ball bearings. And in 2008 overseas at the um, gym in, in Djibouti where I was stationed was my first experience with weighted jump ropes where the weight was in the rope and not the handles. And it, for as much as I like jumping rope and jumping, I was shocked that I had never seen this product before. That was actually one that I did not find online. But it was such a great workout because you were getting all the cardiovascular benefit, but it was, it was full body because of that weight rotating around your body. So I'd come up with all these challenges. And as I went, they had three weighted ropes in the gym and I broke all three of them in two weeks. So I had an, I had an engineering background and the engineering design, in my humble opinion, was, was horrible. Um, they, they had a metal screw through a rubber tube. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to tear out. It's going to twist. It's going to shear. And so in after I had returned, I kind of went on this quest to try to find if there was other weighted jump ropes that would, would hold up to the way, you know, to the hardcore intense way that I like to train. And most all of them were the same designs. I didn't know how it worked that there was like one supplier and then they just put different brand names on it. And so I kind of came across like this one design and no matter where I bought it from, they kept breaking. And that planted the seed around, hey, is there a way to do this a little bit better? And it was in 2011, I injured myself bench pressing. And I had to get um, my pectoral, I had to get orthopedic surgery to get my uh, pectoral muscle reattached. And for whatever reason, I was just kind of on this entrepreneurial kick. You know how it is like entrepreneurs, it's just, you just feel like it was your destiny. And I'd like stay up late, late at night, I, 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 again, enjoyed my career. I was grateful for it, but it wasn't like, there was just like that extra thing where I'd stay up late at night with these crazy ideas of, of what I might do or what it would be like to be an entrepreneur and start a business. And um, so I had a notebook and I don't remember what all the ideas were, but I do remember that there was this idea of an interchangeable jump rope system. Like if you, with most fitness equipment, you can change the resistance. So 
if I had had a positive experience with different weights of ropes, why couldn't, why wasn't there an interchangeable jump rope system out there? And I think the main reason why there wasn't at the time is because to the casual jumper, well, why not just already have the handles on all the ropes? Like that's stupid to have different ropes and attach them to handles. But what my experience had, had dictated was that the quality and the durability and the performance of the handles is critical for the experience and for the durability and for the performance. And quality handles were not cheap to make if you wanted to do it the right way. And so that's where I had this idea that if you had a high quality pair of handles, there could be additional value for myself and for customers if there was some savings by having different weights of ropes and you didn't have to have a pair of handles for every weight of rope. So that was the idea, cross-training jump rope, cross rope. And um, of the ideas, I was newly married and of the ideas that I pitched to my wife, who's my greatest critic in like a good way, she'll tell me what she thinks. She's like, that could actually work. That's interesting. I could see, I could see people liking that product. And so and that's how I came up with the idea and how I launched it. And then in, in those four years, I didn't have any business background. It was literally going to the library to figure out how to do things, getting business books out from the library. I did um, get linked up with the SCORE mentor through the um, Small Business Association. And he kind of gave me some very basic business frameworks and resources and guidelines on, on how to go from zero to something. To, to try to make it an effort. And uh, definitely difficult. Uh, it was through a military friend that I got uh, linked up with a um, sourcing coordinator to get these professionally manufactured because the very first version was actually made out of deconstructed nunchucks and tennis grip tape and you know cables from Lowe's and Home Depot that I clipped at home. There was no intent to launch that uh, commercially, but things always just take longer than you think. And it was, you know, either I can sell the minimum viable product and hope people like it, or I can just wait forever and, you know, maybe never go into business. And so it was uh, a really formative, challenging character building experience uh, during those four years and many, many other steps and stories along the way. But that's probably a good, uh, a good pausing point uh, along the the story and the journey up to 2016. That's a, a great story. Um, I'd love to, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expert in jump roping. I have spent time on your website. It looks like there, there's a tremendous amount of data. There's a tremendous amount of, so talk to us about what your ropes do, the benefits, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, the premise started with this interchangeable weighted system and we really leaned into the quality. And then we started to lean. It was funny when I started Crossrope, people, customers would email and say, this seems really cool, or I got the ropes and I like it. How do I use the different weights? And I chafed at the question a little bit because now, I didn't say this to them, but my thought was, well, how do you use 5, 10, 15, and 20-pound dumbbells, right? Like, that's up to you. It's not a rocket science. It's just different weights. Um, but the more people that ask, the more I just thought, well, at the very least, I can share uh, the way that I use them in my workouts, how I like to think about it, what sorts of workouts I do, how I put together programming. And 
I'm, I, I was always sort of like a self-taught fitness person. I'd go and I'd read books about training and working out, but I didn't have any formal personal trainer certs or, you know, no, no like formal uh, sports science degree. So I wanted to make sure that whatever guidance I was giving was, you know, within the realm of, of content more so on ways that they might consider using the product. And so the workouts led to YouTube videos, YouTube videos led to challenges where, um, it would be, you know, hey, join, you know, join this 30-day jump rope challenge for free, come into the community, share your results. And we'd, we'd have like PDFs that would have what workouts to do in a given day with the different weights of ropes. The, the more that we went along with that, the more it was clear that PDFs probably were not going to be the top choice for consuming workouts in the future mm-hmm. and that there might be something to this app thing. And so we, we took some of the interval training methods and uh, created a very basic, you know, interval app workout back in uh, 2017. And there had been, you know, connected database jump ropes for a while. So it wasn't anything novel, but we were sort of waiting to figure out the way to do it the right way. Have you ever seen something where it's like the, you know, the tech exists or the product exists, but it just wasn't put together in the right way? I kind of equated mm-hmm. to like, going to the grocery store and buying flour and sugar and frosting, but it doesn't mean that you just mix it in a bowl and you've got a beautiful cake. And right. so a lot of what, what we did with our recent launch of AMP, which is our first connected product that we launched in December, was take the really important nuances and details and a wealth of information from hundreds of thousands of jumpers within our community to figure out how to optimize the jump rope fitness experience. And so on that, a couple of things that we did that are interesting and unique and cool. Um, obviously it counts jumps, but we have um, workout programs where based on the individual's ability level within that workout, it sets personalized targets. So it's like this gamified feature where Greg, you and I could be doing the same workout and you could be brand new to jumping but the targets will be calibrated to your ability level based on how many times you're going to miss, based on how fast you're jumping, based on what rope you're going to use. And it's um, supported with heart rate based training. So you can see what your heart rate level is. So the intensities are tethered the right way um, all through Apple watch. So integrates with, with Apple watch. And then at the end of the workout shows you how well you didn't hitting your targets, how many jumps you got with the various weights of ropes, We're adding community-based elements where there's leaderboards. So you can see uh, people around the world, um, how many jumps they're doing. Um, Definitely one of those things where it can be motivating and inspiring even just to move up a spot or two on the leaderboard. Mm -hmm. And again, these aren't like brand new things to fitness, but the way that it manifests within the personalization and ultimately within the efficacy of the workout. Because jumping rope, I think so many people are really, really busy in their day to day. And that, that at least for our customers is the main excuse and the main reason not for working out. So when you have this pre-curated personalized workout that, oh, by the way, is portable. Oh, by the way, is full body. Oh, by the way, that will build strength. Also is great for cardiovascular training. One of the most iconic time tested forms of fitness for training. And you can pack that into something that is worthwhile to do in 15 to 20 minutes, it's not going to be too hard or too easy. We're trying to hit like the Goldilocks mode where it's just the right level of challenge that you want. Um, 
it really is a great experience that gets people um, excited and ready to come back for that next workout as, as they're looking ultimately to progress in whatever fitness goals they have. You mentioned the community, hundreds of thousands of users. Um, when did that, when did you realize that, hey, I'm, I'm not just building a company or, or I'm not just building a product that can be useful to people focused on fitness. And the next phase is, oh, I'm building a company around this product. But now you've developed a community. When did that light bulb come on of, of like, wow, this is bigger than just my P&L. This is bigger than just my fitness level. This is, this is something that people are sharing. Data is getting compared. Um, talk to me about that community aspect. Yeah. Well, and one of the, I think one of the beauties about growing a team is that a lot of times, most of the time, you're not the individual that has the great ideas. So um, one, our current CMO was actually our first affiliate. So he had the most viewed jump rope video on YouTube back in the day. And it reached out and said, people uh, love watching my videos. They're always asking what jump, jump rope they recommend. I don't have a go-to, but Crossrope looks really interesting. Um, you know, maybe we could partner up. And so he ended up coming on board a couple of years later. But as a part of that, when we hosted these challenges, he said, um, you know, Facebook now has these private communities and it's just different than somebody being on Facebook pages because everyone within the community knows that they're sharing a common interest. And if we do a challenge where part of the benefit of that challenge is being able to share the progress and the workouts and the results with other people within the challenge, I think it could be really, really powerful. So we, we did this first challenge. I think we had 500 people sign up, which at the time didn't seem that great. In hindsight, 2020, I think was like an incredible result to have 500 people. You know, we were just at a very early stage in the business. And I think that maybe out of those 500, there was 250 in the private community. So that was the first thing of like, wow, there's really um, a desire for people to, to, to connect and share their experiences. The second thing that was just mind blowing is we had like 20,000 followers on our Facebook page. And we, you know, we'd make a post on there and it might get, I don't know, 10 likes and a couple comments at best. And within this community, somebody would post, you know, that we didn't, that was, you know, somebody participating in the challenge and they'd share um, a result that they got or how hard a workout was or what their experience. And it would get like a hundred likes and 50 comments. My, my feelings were almost hurt. Like <laughs> where, where are all you other followers? I mean, this is in a small group, 250 people. And you had, you know, 30, 40% of all people in the community showing the support and commenting and sharing. And so at the end of the challenge, the plan was just to close the group. And, and, and I said to, I said to Serge, we, we cannot close the group. Like this is a thing we need to keep this. We need to keep this riding because this is, it's so powerful to see how that accountability, how that positivity um, and that interactivity happens within the community. And so that was kind of the first, I think, aha around the impact. The second was, I always tell people, you know, the vision at the outset around Crossrope, a lot of times founders feel this pressure to share like they were the ones with the vision of what this was be going to become. Where Crossrope is now is not in any way, shape or form the vision that I had at the outset. 
my vision was just to create a better jump rope. And I thought it was only going to be for like hardcore jumpers and elite athletes and weighted ropes and all this and all that. And so what was interesting is the number of people within the community that were describing their experience with the product as life changing. Mm. And I, you know, I, 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 to this day, I'm almost terrified to use those words because those are powerful words, right? If something is life changing for someone, it's just like, I almost don't feel comfortable or qualified saying that, right? Like they have to experience that. I'm not going to go to somebody and say, try cross rope. It'll change your life. I'm not comfortable saying that, but there've been so many customers say this has been life-changing. And I remember in particular, one of our first super users um, talked about how he had lost 130 pounds in a year, just jumping using cross rope. And he had gone from 310 pounds to 180 pounds. And The reason why he said that it was life-changing is that he had a 13-year-old daughter that he drove to school every day. And his daughter never wanted uh, him to drive her to school because she said that she was embarrassed, which is just like tough that the world is that way, right? Tough Mm -hmm. that kids would be cruel and mean and make those judgments. And everybody's going through their journey, right? I think there's a lot of like challenges socially with physical appearance and things of that nature and people feeling judged. But he really felt like he wanted to make this healthy change, eating and exercising. And that as he went through that transformation, it went from his daughter not wanting him to drive her to school to really cherishing that time, you know, with her dad. And it's kind of like almost one of those like like tear jerking type stories where it's like, wow, you know, I, I could not have foreseen that as an outcome and a story that somebody would share from a jump rope, right? And I I don't like to like minimize what the hard work that myself and my team has done, but sometimes you still get relegated back. I still get the question like, oh, is that your full-time job? Some people still just can't believe, even the other day I was playing golf with a guy and he's like, what do you do? And I said, I run a jump rope company. And he's like, what, jump rope? Uh, And then he he said to me, well, I guess somebody's got to do it. (laughs) I don't think he meant it in like a mean or disrespectful way. I think it was more of just that it's so interesting when you find a niche and you find something that you're excited about. A lot of times it can grow to beyond what you would have thought. And that's definitely been my my experience. That's an awesome, awesome story. Um, and it sounds like back in 2012, that was never in your vision, right? The vision board, if you're mapping out the next 22, 20 years, 10 yep. years. You, you, somebody would have told you that story, you'd say, no, there's no way. And it's just another example of going forward and enduring and following your passion and the fruits that come out of that, these unexpected, like I say to people, you know, my career journey is all over the place. But when I look back, it's a straight line because it all makes sense or my athletic journey or my family journey, you name it. Um, David, how do, how can people get more information about Crossrope? How can they get more information about you? How can they connect? What's your social media platform of choice? Sure. Well, I think I'm, I'm sort of on, on and off sometimes with, with social. So I do, uh, personally, I uh, have a Facebook account. I tend to engage most on our, you know, Crossrope Jump Rope Fitness community which people can look up and join if, if they're interested in learning more about jumping rope. There's no, it's a free community, just a good place to go there and see the journeys that other people are having. Um, they can always email me, dave at crossrope.com. I gen, sometimes people will email and say, oh, 
thank you. You probably get a million emails a day. You know, thanks so much for taking the time to respond. And I'm like, I get like an email a month, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, from team and from vendors, but you know, from customers and people that want to reach out and connect, I'm always looking for ways to, to help in that regard. Um, I tried to do TikTok. I think I have a TikTok account. Maybe I'll get back into it. It's just, it's a lot of work. I have a ton of respect for people that are constantly uh, creating content. And um, crossrope.com is our site. I always tell people if they can't remember crossrope.com, type in jumprope.com. It'll redirect to crossrope. Uh, but we really uh, like to position ourselves as, um, you know, the best jump rope fitness experience. There's all sorts of different types of, of jump rope. There's all sorts of great jump rope creators out there. And there's many types of jump rope that, yes, even while it's a good exercise, maybe more so oriented to, to competition or to skills and tricks. And all of that is really, really amazing. But we are laser focused on using jump rope as a fitness tool to help people get their best fitness results. So whether it's the site, email, uh, LinkedIn, always happy to engage as well. Um, I love connecting with anybody that's interested in learning more. Fantastic. And we'll include those links in our show notes. I do have to ask, what year did you buy jumprope.com? That was two years ago, I believe. Mm, that sounds years. like a different, another podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Always a good story behind it. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I think like another thing about jumping rope, it's more segmented than people would think, but I'm also a really firm believer in a rising tide uh, raises all ships. So, of course, there's always options from different brands and products, but I think what a lot of, um, you know, what a lot of people who get into jump rope discover is that they like to have a couple different jump ropes and they like to try and test different things out. And so I'm very much of the mindset that jumping rope as a form of fitness doesn't get as much awareness and respect and consideration as I think it should. Mm. And so that's kind of like the mission that keeps me uh, engaged. And that's not, you know, saying anything bad about other forms uh, of fitness. I think anybody that finds a fitness routine that they enjoy, that they stick to, that's incredible and amazing. I just know that a lot of people have a hard time finding that. And um, jumping rope is just one that for those that haven't found something that they stick to, um, sometimes turns out to be the community and the experience that they were looking for. So we'll keep pushing. Yeah, I love it. I had no idea. So David, thank you for educating us on the life-changing power of a jump rope. I will be on your website momentarily to have it shipped to my house. <laughs> um, I also enjoyed our conversation around the lessons around expectations and timing of those expectations and not sort of beating yourself up if you didn't hit the goal on the day, at the hour, at the minute that you expected. Um, and then our conversation around building community and, and how powerful that is, and us as entrepreneurs, we kind of don't see that aspect of our business when we first get started. You know, we don't understand the impact and the legacy that we can have and live. Um, so from our audience members, if you got some value out of today, I ask that you share, share this episode with your friends and family, repost, um, you know, go down and subscribe and like the episode. The way this message and our community grows is through your support. So I'd ask that you do that. David, again, thanks for your time. I, I'm super inspired by your story. Um, makes me feel good to be an entrepreneur again. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I really appreciate the thoughtfulness um, of the questions that you asked. And I, I just, the opportunity to reflect on those questions and share um, was just, 
um, such a benefit to me as well. So I, I owe you extra for that, but it was a, a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely, David. We'll see you soon. All right. See you. Thank you for tuning in to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. To hear more inspiring stories and strategies around the endurance mindset, be sure to subscribe below or visit us at chiefenduranceofficer.com. Until next time, keep pushing those limits.